Welcome back to the Ride Boundless Podcast. So I've changed to a new location. Setup took longer than expected, but I'm back and have a very exciting guest lineup for you guys. Before we get started, I'd like to give a quick shout out to Christian Perez from Jalisco, actually from Jalostotitlan, which is next to Jalisco. Christian Perez is a bad motherfucker, a great friend, and a strong supporter of the podcast. And I want to say thank you very much, Christian. So shout out to him. Also want to say thank you to all the listeners, all the fans that have reached out um, via social media, uh, Instagram, email, demanding their motorcycle weekly dosage. I'm back and we'll make sure to bring you the best quality of interviews before we get started, uh, check out Ride Clean. Ride Clean's an ultra premium polish, sealer, and wash. It's simple to use. Simply shake, spray, and wipe. Get that mirror-like finish. It's the simplest way to keep your motorcycle clean. If you haven't checked them out, you can see them at rideclean.co. Use promo code RBPODCAST for 20% off, plus free shipping, plus they're throwing a bonus two-ounce bottle. Uh, for this episode... We have a truly magical uh, episode with magician and magician creator, meaning he makes tricks for magicians, Harley Davidson, hardcore writer, my good friend, Worm. Thank you for being here, brother. How's Robert, it going? Robert, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem, man. Now, what were we talking about? We were talking about so many things. We were talking about cryptocurrency. See? We were talking about the chingadera. We were gear, talking about... Gear stuff. Yeah. Gear stuff. Always, th this thing's fun. This thing's fun. I don't use this enough, but uh, there's sound effects. Nice. So you'd be like, welcome to the Ride Boundless Podcast. I'm sitting down here with Worm <laughs> in Studio City, California. You know... But you can program these. I think you <laughs> just like classic radio. I love it. It's super classic. Um, I strictly made for podcasts. This is the number one podcast recorder. This is the the Rode uh, Podcaster, and this is definitely one of the top ones out there. the The second one is the Zoom, which is what I oh. use for portable. Okay. And that one's smaller. You can basically put it in your backpack. You bring the cable, same mic, same everything else. Um, and that's when I go interview people outside of the studio, you know, I'll talk to them and I'll take that equipment, but in quality shit, they're both really good. Yeah. They're I mean, Rode does uh, microphones. So that, that's what they're known. Yeah. For, these, right? Yeah. And these are yeah. the pod mics. So they just started doing these. Um, they started doing these mics. I want to say two years ago and, and they've been selling like hotcakes, especially now with the pandemic, everybody's starting a podcast, you know, but we're episode 45, which I always got to bring up to people because people are like, really? Everybody's doing a podcast. Who cares? Yeah. Um, um, what are you writing? Um, I'm writing a 48 Sportster. 48. You've yeah. had that for a minute. I've had it for six years. Nice. Yeah. First I mean, that's bike? when I started. Yeah, that's when I started writing. I learned in uh, New York City. Nice. So you brought it down with, to, with, with you from New yep, York City? Yeah, I shipped it. Because I'm not riding a Sportster across the country. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Although I did ride uh, my Sportster down to Virginia and back to New York City many times because that's where my mother lives. How many miles do you got on that? Uh, not that much. Maybe 27,000. 27,000. Six that's years. Still, yeah. Because I lived in New York City for 10 years. Yeah, of course. So, so yeah, you're, you're getting max, even if you ride every day, what, three, four miles a day? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I live in a great area in LA as far as accessibility, so I rarely ride as yeah. far as like um, 
as far as like errands and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, what's like, what city are you in now? Uh, I'm in Miracle Mile. Oh, Miracle Mile. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love Miracle. I used to live out there on Cochran. Yeah. Oh, I'm on Hauser. On Hauser. Yeah. 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 Uh, my b- a buddy of mine, uh, we came down. His parents were very, are still very wealthy. They were like, you, oh, you want to live in LA? We were, we were living in Central Coast at that time. So Santa Cruz. Okay. And he was like, LA, LA, LA. And his parents were like, there's nothing for you in LA. And he's like, yeah, I want, but I want to go to LA. They're like, all right, we'll give you a year. They give him like $60,000. They go open up a used car dealership or a brokerage or do anything you want. So we moved to Cochrane. And uh, we lived there for a year. We partied every day. No business ever got done. <laughs> At the end of the year, the money was spent, and his parents had come back. You guys were in your early 20s or something? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. this was a long time ago. But I love that area. It's it's amazing. I mean, the, the accessibility. Grove, Fairfax, the farmer's market. The park, Pan Pacific. Yeah, we used to play basketball there. I, I would never get over it because we used to play basketball with um, with Korean cats there. And those Korean dudes would smoke cigarettes while running up and down the basketball field. And that always left an imprint in my head. It's amazing how culture is different, you know. <laughs> Fucking insane. Um, well, Beth Gibbons from uh, Portishead, the, um, the band back in the 90s, she used to smoke cigarettes while she's singing on stage. Like, and, and it's not like someone rocking out. It's just this melodic... Right. You know, very creepy voice. So I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense. But yeah, but so did the Rat Pack. You know, Frank Sinatra, right, Sammy right. Davis Jr., Dean Martin. Those guys are just fucking. And the whole crowd. Could you imagine? Can you imagine performing with a whole crowd of people smoking? Dude, I mean, I don't even know how people dealt with um, people smoking. You know, it's like you remember uh, smoking sections in restaurants. The smoking section, yeah. as if the smoke is not going to go to the non-smoking section. Right. Uh, yeah, that made no sense. No. I mean, there was there was constantly uh, cigarette smoke all throughout the years. It's just crazy. Now people, de- you know, detest it. I do. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting how culture changes. Oh, absolutely. An environment. Right. An environment. I, I'm I'm considered a social smoker. I, I will, if I'm at a bar, you know, and people are smoking. You get a little, little tipsy, definitely, yeah. it gets going, yeah. huh? Or, or I know a lot of Armenian cats, you know, and uh, if if these guys are smoking enough, my my mom, when I was growing up, anytime I got Doritos, my mom hated Doritos, but every now and then she'd grab a chip and eat it, and I go, "Why are you eating my Doritos?" She's like, "Cause I can't stand the smell, but if I eat it and taste one, then I can bear it." It's kind know. of like durian, uh, what you the, that nasty fruit. No. T- oh, it's the worst tasting thing. I actually had a durian popsicle in Thailand, but I've never had the fruit. It's just, it smells rotten. Like yeah. it, it smells different than how it tastes. But the t- the basically, the taste is not as bad as the smell. Right. <laughs> and not many people would eat it. In the United States, not many people would eat it. But it's, once you eat it, it's okay? It's, it's, it's more tech. Yeah, if, you, if, it, if you're a texture type of person, you're probably not going to like it. I'm like, texture. Like uh, oysters or some shit like that? Yeah, I would say probably like that would be the closest thing yeah. to that. Um, yeah, something like that. But then, but I do the same thing where with, with smoking, you know, when, when there's enough people smoking, there's a point where it annoys me. And then there's just a point where I'll just grab a cigarette. And I'll, once I'm smoking with them, it's okay. It's okay. It works out. Yeah, um, I kind of always smoked on and off but as i've gotten older it's been less and less yeah um it's like salem i was on a tip for for like six months uh, uh menthol was like kind of my thing when when i when i smoked but it's been a lot many years since since i have i used to actually there was a one little tip when 
when I was probably in my early 20s, Capri's. Capri's remember me? Yeah, I remember Capri's. <laughs> I still pick up Capri's if I smoke. Right? The, oh, yeah. Like yeah. the fun, fun cigarette. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. The purple ones? Yeah. yeah but th- yeah. those weren't menthols. No, I think they had a, a menthol version. Oh, did they? Yeah, they had a menthol version. But I remember um, there used to be this cigarette company, so to speak, that was called Ecstasy and had a butterfly on it. And it was like, I don't, it was some herbal, hippie, you can get it at the head shop, you know, it's this weird, right. like almost like catnip. Oh, wow. And, and there's just been weird stuff on the market like that. But, um, you know, here in California, it's all about, you know, weed, I guess. Yeah, I, I think it's about weed everywhere. Yeah, I think the culture changed as far as acceptance, One, for sure. 100%. Everybody's talking about weed. I, I, got, I know people in Colombia, in Spain, videos on my phone right now. Hey, that California weed, smoke weed. Everybody's talking about smoking weed. Yeah, my friend actually just moved to a state um, where he, they're opening up. A, a, um, gr- they're going to become a grower. Yeah. I mean, or, or actually, he's going to be working for a grower. Oh, nice. So, And that's like, you know... I think it was Michigan or something. I don't even. It's like who knows the laws anymore with this stuff. It's all per state. So. I, I I think they should legalize the fuck out of it. Period. Just get it over with. It, tax it. Yeah. Tax it. Make money back. Well, the tax here I I heard on weed is like twenty percent or something. It's, it's too I high. It's too high. It's and and because it's too high, there's still a black market. There's a you know people are still selling it traditionally, and and this is this is a problem. The moment they bring down the taxes. They'll be able to sell more and they'll be able to compete with the black market. But right now, if you were to choose, if you were to go to a dispensary and and buy it from a guy in a corner, the guy in the corner is going to be like half price because of the taxes. So they they need to bring that down. Do you know why it, it became illegal? Um, did it become illegal like in the forties or something? Thirties, thirties, yeah. 30s. That, uh, the whole uh, reefer madness, I guess, movie was kind of a ode to what was going on before that. Before oh, okay. that, uh, Hearst, William Hearst, you know Hearst Castle, yeah, in California. Yep. Uh, he had property and he bought millions of acres of land for like ten cents, you know, per acre, each acre ten cents. Imagine that. And at that time, they were making weed. They were making uh, hemp cinder blocks. Okay. And they were making hemp paper, and they were smoking weed. And the hemp paper was amazing because the tree grows in three months versus a tree grows in hundreds of years. Right, right. So this was a threat to this guy's business. So he wrote an article saying marijuana is what blacks and Mexicans smoke, and these blacks and Mexicans that smoke weed rape our wives, and we need to put a stop to this marijuana plant, right? Crazy, dude. The police got that, and they're like, everybody's read, because he, he, he owned a publishing company. Right, right. Right, it was, so it threatened his publishing company. So what he did was, uh, once everybody got that information, they were used, they saw it, and they go, fuck, everybody's scared of it. See, you could hear a little bit of that gate. I, I oh, you don't even hear yeah. it? So anyways, so then the police officers and the governments, they were like, well, there's a lot of people we got to bust, but we don't have warrants and we don't have the permission to get in there, but everybody's smoking weed. If we make weed illegal, guess what? We can bust these guys. 
So then they started making, they put it a law into an effect, and then the movies came out. Okay, and then all you. of a sudden. So basically, it's illegal because it threatened a businessman's business. Isn't that always how it is? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Always comes now, down on the money. And, and the crazy part is now there's still people serving time in jail for weed. Like, it, 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 makes, it makes no sense. Anyways, that's a whole topic. Right. I mean, Portland, I think, out, um, made drugs lawful. As a whole, I mean, I, mean, I don't know if that's really that true, but oh yeah, it it's is. True. Yeah, all street drugs, all street drugs well, that's are, nuts. are legal. That's yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how that turns out. But the thing is, is mm-hmm. you got to understand, Amsterdam's been like that. They got no issues. Um, Spain, I heard Spain and uh, another place in South America, they're they're completely legal. Nobody talks about it. It's it's norm. You know, it's not even a big deal. So the places there. I think I think the problem is is when you make things illegal, you're not preventing anybody from doing it. All you're doing is making it more difficult right, to right. get your hands on it. And when you make it more difficult, you don't know what you're getting. So for example, if you were to get weed twenty years ago, you had to call four or five friends and say, Hey, do you know anybody that sells weed? Oh yeah, I got somebody, he sells weed. Uh, call them up. Then you got to page them, call them up. Then you got to meet them in an alley. And then you don't know who the fuck you're meeting. And then you're giving somebody some money and you've never seen this guy ever before. Then what you take, you don't know what the fuck you have until you're, you get home. And then when you get home, you open it up and there's seeds and there's fucking branches. And it, it, it's just shit. It's there, there, there's no rating. There's no nothing. So you're not stopping anybody from smoking weed. You're just making it more difficult. When you make yeah. drugs legal, you're going to have better drugs you're going to have tested drugs pure cocaine from colombia is not bad that shit is actually pretty fucking decent and amazing but by the time it gets to miami comes through mexico the dealers chop it up and they mix it up with other stuff once they start mixing it with all this shit that's where people get really fucked up or 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 the same thing you know in many countries 18 year olds or kids they can drink wine at the dinner table these kids right, don't right. grow up to become alcoholics. In the U.S., 21 to drink, and we got crazy-ass alcoholics. <laughs> it's wild, right? It's wild. It's super yeah. wild. All right, back yeah. to your bike. Yeah, 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 yeah. Back to your bike. Six years, started in New York, Turned came to California, moved to Miracle Mile. Yep. And, uh, you know, our mutual friend, I met uh, Jaime from, from Rio, actually. I, uh, when I came to... I think everybody met Jaime through Rio. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I first moved uh, to L.A., it was about two and a half years ago, I knew very uh, limited amount of people. And I've always, you know, for the last six years, been into motorcycles and the kind of the community. So I was like, you know what, screw it. I'll go to Glendale Harley and bumped into Rio, you know, when he was there. And, you know, the rest is kind of history. And it's yeah, it's been great because well, it's not history for listeners. So we can talk. Right. About right. But, you know, New York City culture, as far as. um Motorcycle riding is just basically non-existent. I mean, compared in to New out York. Here. Oh yeah, New York City. Yeah, but why is that? Um, I think you know New York as a whole. It's kind of this uh, this perception that it's community based, and I think that's probably true historically. But living there for ten years, there's a huge disconnection of community when you really compare that to LA. I know people talk about LA being fake and everything, and whatever that you know, whatever whatever that opinion. means. Yeah, whatever it means, but. You know, one thing I can say is there's a lot of community-based activities here, uh, and there's very little in New York City. So it was like it was almost hard. It was even hard getting people I knew 
to go ride because there's really no, the the thing too is there's really no, there's nowhere to ride there. Right. What are you going to ride through the Brooklyn bridge? You know, go through traffic so much. You basically have upstate New York and that's it. And that takes like an hour and a half to get up there. So I was always the guy that was like, you know, screw it. Let's ride down to Coney Island and let, you know, let's go to West side of Manhattan because I lived in uh, Brooklyn and no, very few people would want to ride with me. So I became very much obsessed with riding um, when I first got the, and even now, you know, it's my, it's my only transportation, Uber and my motorcycle. That's it. So yeah. Thank God I, for Uber. Right. Uber's Uber's fucking awesome. Talk about changing the landscape, the culture, right? I, I remember when Uber first came out, I was bartending and I would mess around. Like, that was a pickup line. Like, you know, I'd talk to chicks and stuff. I'd be like, oh, yeah, let me get my driver. They're like, what do you mean a driver? And I'd fucking order an Uber. But it was new. No, the people didn't know. And I'd have a driver. Oh, Mr. Valdrama. Like, oh, yeah, what's up? And, you know, I was going, oh, my God. You know, it was, it was, it was new. You know, this is what, 2012, 2013, around there, something like that. But, um, but they changed it up. I mean, what I had, I had my little brother with me one time at a bar again, years ago in Cabo Cantina. And he was just being a little punk. He was just being a punk. He was ruining the evening for us. And I was like, do you want to go? And he's like, yeah. I was like, all right, Uber, Uber came, poof, magic gone. You know, everybody's happy now. Just like that. Like it's, 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 it's amazing. I mean, when I was in Thailand, I used Uber. Yeah. They were there, oh, I've used know? it in India. I've used it in Dubai. So I've cheap. used it in it's fucking... It's so, so cheap India there. was cheap. India was like a 22-minute ride. I think six miles in traffic was like a $1.60 or something like that. It was so fucking cheap. That's I was like, wild. this doesn't make sense. No. You know, no. but, 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 but it's awesome. It's safe. It is. I mean, like Amazon changed the landscape too. It's like um, very... Yeah. I mean, even just the fact of your time... Before you had to run around, you're na- just finding what you need, and then it's like nothing. Nobody has it, right? Now you sit at <laughs> home, you can order whatever you want, and the amount of time people don't realize how much they save getting stuff, especially a gearhead like you or someone like me, in, you know, in my oh, industry. Yeah. I mean, yeah, me in my industry, it's like imperative. I mean, Amazon can be very imperative. I I, I did that today. Exactly what you just said, word by word. I did that today. I was looking for an office chair. I went to Staples, Office Depot. I went to Lamps Plus. I went and looked at Home Depot to see chairs, Best Buy. Nobody had it. Uh, nobody had it, period. I, I drove her all over town. Nobody had it for like three hours. And finally, I just brought a chair from my dining room table. <laughs> like... That's what we used to do all the time, yeah. right? But that used to be for everything. Yeah, exactly. Right. That used to be for everything. Today, I was like, fuck, I forgot I don't have a chair. But, like, you know, Amazon has it all. Has it all. And then if you don't like it, you send it back. How great is that? It's great. And you re- re- research reviews. You know, outside in other countries, they, they, don't, they don't even, there's not, there's a lot of countries that do not have return policies. Oh, okay. Like, they, they don't, or like, It kind of no. makes sense. Yeah. A little bit. Of course, you know, but in the U.S. we're so fucking lazy that they're like the calculation of people buying shit. They'd rather keep it and throw it away than return it. That's true. You know, and and hence Best Buy does a 90, not Best Buy, I think it's a Target. Target does a 90 day um, return policy. Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, but it's like gym memberships. It's like people still keep paying. Like you said, like they'll... um, They'll just throw the item out or the, they won't return it. Most people probably that want to do a return don't. Right. Because it's too much of a hassle in their mind. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, we as Americans kind of treat money like, like very disposable compared probably to the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, we we're consumer, we're heavily consumer based country. I mean, we've, we drive the market worldwide, just generally speaking. So, well, I mean, we, we, we have to have four TVs in our home, right? We have to have three, four cars and we have to have fucking 10 tables and I didn't have a TV for 16 years. That's crazy. Know? I know. Right. I'm, it's like I haven't seen Game of Thrones, and I mean American Horse. I mean I've heard of these things, but I've never seen one second. I mean I've I've been very I've been very moved from uh, pop culture like uh, Seinfeld. I've never seen a full episode of Seinfeld. Really? Yeah, and people, Seinfeld's the people, greatest. Yeah, no, it's nothing like How anti. Um, I'm 38. 38. So I'm in the demographic of I should have watched Seinfeld. Yeah, Seinfeld, absolutely. I was never a TV guy. I was always um, very technical guy computer kind of engineering mind and um never was into sports it's uh if i i feel like if i'm not getting inspiration uh from it then i'm probably not interested not to say that you can't get inspiration from a movie or a tv show but uh as far as the enjoyment of doing it for the sake of it um it would have to be a very strong interest of mine what inspires you what's your interest what are you into now um, who are you what was that? Who are you? <laughs> I know, right? And what do you yeah. do? How would you introduce yourself to the um, listeners and, and, where, and where can they find you? Yep, yep. My name is Worm, and you can find me on Instagram at WormTV, just the letters TV. And uh, I create magic tricks for magicians, or I'm really, generally speaking, I'm in the magic industry. That's awesome. Most people don't realize it exists. Yeah. So. Yeah, what, what, what do you mean most people don't, don't realize it exists? Um, you know, the, the people don't understand there's a market uh, to learn. I think a lot of people have this perception uh, and, you know, there's a lot of magic secrets, absolutely. And there's a huge culture around that. But people think that you have to, you know, learn from another person. Uh, they, there's a coded, you know, or, or there's this kind of secret group. Uh, I think it's true to an extent, but especially today, people that learn from other people, it's not what it was, you know, 20 years ago and 30 years ago. At, how at how was it? How would you how would you do the comparison? Well, back then you would be part of a magic club, or you would go to your magic shop, and you know the community could be there, or the per people that work there. I remember my magic shop. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What was the name of it? There was one in Miami that I used to okay. go to. I don't remember the name, but I'd buy the itching powder. You know. Oh yeah. Or, so or the flying fucking card trick, like just or the wax, like a bunch of wax stuff. But anyways. Right. I, Fart gas, like just a bunch of silly yeah, shit. Yeah, it was awesome. A lot of uh, magic shops historically had had prank things, you yeah, know, um, puzzles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, you would learn magic that way from books. Um, you know, there were tricks on the market that you would go to a magic shop and obviously buy tricks. Um, and now it's you know all online. It's all online, so uh, people don't realize that the magic shop kind of you know, physical store really converted to online and it's become a really booming uh, industry. The, there's probably more people in magic in the last five years than there has been in the last 50. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's been a huge boom, especially in the last 10 years. Um, what, how, how would you rate that? What, what have you noticed that, that you, you see that? Um, I think there's been a lot of competition as far as new trick creation. There's probably more new tricks Ever, and again, that kind of goes like with the 50 years to five years. Um, and the more people in an industry, the, the more it progresses. Uh, 
And I think it's really great for the art form. I mean, Penn uh, from Penn and Teller has always said that magic is the slowest evolving art form. And it absolutely is. No doubt about it. Yeah. Um, I can't speak for the others, but it is definitely, if you look at the history of magic, it's extreme. It's so slow that people are still very, very much into old style or, or very, you know, old moves, old, old tricks that, um, you know, are relevant for sure. But it's like photographers, very little are going back to the dark room. Right. You know what I mean? But there is tons and tons, if not a vast, probably a vast majority of people that swear by classic magic and only learn classic magic. Like the Houdini and. Um, more so like names that most people don't realize. Yeah. Um, like Cardini, Divernon. Slidini. There, there's there's a lot of people that have really brought uh, a lot of um, a, a lot of art to uh, to, to, to magic to the industry. Know? Um, and uh, you know Houdini was a magician at first, and then you know he became uh, an escape artist, um, kind of doing these feats of so an escape artist leaves the magician uh, category. Yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, there, there's there's still a trick, obviously. Um, in some cases, there's not. It's kind of this blurred line between is this magic or is this like, you know, the Skill. human bot? Yeah. So he was, uh, I don't know if he was the first, but he definitely popularized the concept in magic. And now there are people within magic that, you know, uh, kind of t taken that and molded it to their own thing. And, you know, he was, he was the guy that really popularized this ideology. Yeah. Yeah. And most, yeah. When you see when you see a good magician, are are you like, oh, good fucking job, bravo, or are you you fucking piece of shit? That's not how you do it. Or I could have done it better. Is it com is it competitive? Um, are you competitive, or is the industry competitive? I are there haters? Are there oh my god! You know, it's it's an art form. Number one, number two, it's a certain type of person that gets involved in magic, and I think for any. Anything, any uh, passion, there's a lot of emotions that go around. I mean, for me personally, the competition is within myself more yeah. than anything. Um, you know, I do look up to people that um, been in the industry longer, that um, have, you know, and I'm not going to say more talent, but have a different way of thinking that would be interesting for me to explore. And, you know, you kind of have to practice certain ways of thinking. And that comes from experience. Um, but the competition ultimately lies with myself, but there is, you know, it, like all industries, there's, there's always drama, but, you know, um, I guess to really touch on, on something is, um, there is a huge level of morality and magic about stealing and about not giving credit, um, because most people don't realize this, you, you could patent a trick and trade and do all that kind of stuff, but it's really not worth it to do it. So, and you're protected by the industry, which, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't, you know, there's an, un, I guess I wouldn't say there's a blacklist, but um, there have been some people, uh, you know, I, I know um, or, or, you know, know in the industry, not personally that have put themselves you know, in situations where people, I think people look differently. Yeah. But, um, like, what did they do? They, they just, well, there was this they took one, somebody's Rolex or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they made their fucking wife disappear. Like, uh, Oh, who took my wife? No, no, I'm no, kidding. no, no, no. Um, more on the back end, um, as uh, I'll give you an example. So like there was a guy that released, uh, a trick or claimed to have come up with something. 
and um, they found out it was someone else's. So, which, you know, can happen for sure. It does happen. Yeah. But they found out that that is not true, that, you know, he he knew about this. They had, yeah. they had evidence. And, um, you know, uh, I don't think he's released a trick yet, but um, that's not to say on his character. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. a... Right. It's what, you know, you don't know what people are going through. And, uh, you I, yeah, I mean, who knows, really? It, it reminds me of that whole, um, uh, you, you remember Dane Cook, right? Yeah, yeah. You remember how he went down, right? Wasn't it uh, his jokes were not his, right? Yeah, Louis C.K. was like, dude, you're fucking taking my jokes, oh, you okay. know? And he's like, I'm okay. not taking your jokes. And they had this, I don't know how they, re- I really don't know how they got away with this, but basically Louis C.K. calls him out, Dane Cook's career goes to shit, and then mm-hmm. they recorded their first confrontation. Like, they had a meeting of what happened and they recorded that and it was so awkward because he was like yeah bro you're taking my jokes he's like i didn't take your jokes and he's like yeah maybe maybe you heard my fucking jokes and you didn't realize you heard them and you just repeated them differently but they're my fucking jokes clearly i have tapes of it you know from years ago and it was proven that he you know Anything Louis C.K. did years ago, Dane Cook was kind of rewarding it, but taking the exact same joke. It kind of reminds me of the same thing. Like, again, you don't know what they were thinking. You don't know if it was right or wrong. Later on, you hear about Dane Cook's brother was stealing all his money. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I did. I remember that, that. too. So he he loses his career. Then that takes place. And uh, anyways, like, we, we, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways magic is different because... You can't steal a, pr- or or as far as like the unspoken morality and magic. I mean, premises um, are very much secondary. So if you come up with, let's say, you tear a bill in half, right, and then you restore it together. Well, you don't. It's not looked at as you can't do that with any other object. And also, it doesn't mean that you can't do that. Come up with your own thing because there's different methods or different ways of doing it, and that's really what matters when it comes to the trick. So the so trick could technically be the same as far as the viewer is concerned. Yeah. But if the method um, is different, then everyone embraces that, and, you, and clearly you should be coming up with better methods and certain check boxes that should be checked. And when a trick is very beautiful, it's like that's kind of the spoken word is that's that looks like real magic or, yeah. or that's real magic. So and and that's kind of what people go for. It's it's something within the industry that's um, I think really unspoken on how important or how much beauty there is in the perfection of making something be so real. Yeah. You know? uh, my question, I I was thinking about two different <laughs> things at the same fucking time as you were saying that. Uh, what? How many categories of magic is there? Or, or, or what kind of category would you fall in? Is there different categories? There is different categories. Um, there's even categories of tricks, obviously. But as far as magicians are concerned, um, you have close-up magic, which or there's different names. Um, walk around. People sometimes use the word strolling magic. Street magic, right, which David Blaine popularized or I think really, well, coined it because that was his first special. That's close-up magic. Um, you have parlor magic, which is an intimate environment where people are sitting down. Um, it's not stage, but it's just this intimate environment where people are sitting down or standing up and the magician's sh- facing straight forward to them. And then you have the big stage magic. Uh, you also have something called mentalism, which is more of mind reading, right? Um, hypnotism, you know, it's debatable whether it's in that category or not. Um, I think there definitely is a bleed over to some extent, for sure. Um, 
But I think those are the main categories as far as style of, of magic gen- on, on presentation, on how to present. Right? Where, do, where do you fall under? Um, certainly close up. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Um, I want to get into the creation of stage, which is a completely different animal. Um, I see you do crazy shit. I see you do crazy shit with coins. I see you light your wallet on fire without <laughs> lighting your wallet on fire, but it's on fire and it's yeah, fire. Yeah. Um, you, you, you released a new, we'll talk about that yeah, later, yeah. but you released a trick that's just fucking amazing. I, I got it. Like, I was like, what? I even called fucking our mutual friend. I was like, is this shit legit? And he's like, I bought it. You have to buy it. And I got yeah, it. And, I it, and it's it. fucking amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it's, you, you do crazy shit. I mean, listen, I, I want to push myself to the limit. I think any motorcycle rider is a type of personality that really wants to push themselves to the limit because, you know, the term 1%, um, it's probably lower, actually, um, is a certain type of person. You know, 99% of people will not even ride on the back of a motorcycle. So I think it takes a That's certain true. type of person to really push themselves of kind of um, really in yourself and what you're doing and taking risks and having fun at what probably most people would not consider fun it's like the rebel what, 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 what is the biggest risk uh, like fucking up people calling you out uh, people not interested like what, what is the big risk I, I think the biggest risk in terms of the back end is not practicing enough if you're not practicing enough you have a high risk of right of, of, fa- of quote-unquote failing or not doing it or, or doing it poorly but um, as far as like the biggest like embarrassment or like um, of uh, but what what's the yeah. what's the risky part? Because you're saying like you know like like the risky part of riding a motorcycle right. is you're on two fucking wheels on a concrete jungle against all these emotional right, right. people texting and eating and fighting with their wives and husbands and their girlfriends and you're you're dealing with emotional bu- bunch of people in Los Angeles. And if one little person fucks up, you go down. Like there's, right. there's a huge risk. Right. Well, know? I think the risk is your oh, it's the embarrassment. I so mean, it would be embarrassment. I mean, the disappointment, the rejection. Oh yeah, looking you know like a fool, I guess. Um, and you know, it's it's happened to every magician. I think the unspoken, or at least it's my kind of phrase. It's like there's two types of magicians: the one magician that's that's uh, doesn't screw up, and the one that or that it's not screwing up and then you know the other type of magician is the one that is going to and really you're always going to you know yeah. regardless so even if you're not you have or will so, yeah and that's part of the process you know um it's like skateboarding right you're you're going to you're going to fail it's just how yeah. do you limit that you practice enough where you know your tricks you don't you don't do a new trick without really really um Getting getting so involved that it becomes second nature, as if it's like picking up a glass. Um, I, I I don't know. I think I think I saw it on one of Will's, uh, Will Smith's post, and he he basically what he said was very simple to what you're saying. If you suck at something, it's because you haven't practiced enough. One hundred percent. That's it. You know, if yep. if you suck at basketball, it's because you haven't practiced. If you suck at you know, etc. Yeah, I mean, the, there's there's the quote unquote best or the top tier. 
but you're, if you practice enough, you're never gonna, you have the possibility to become that for sure, but you'll never su- truly suck. People will right. respect you because it's like, oh, that, that person's really good at what they do. Yeah, they're serious about it. You know, and, and that, that's what matters. Um, and it, yeah, in magic, it's one of these things where people do try to be the best and the best is, I think, different for everybody. Uh, but I think at the end of the day is how do you do something um, uh, to the best of, you know, let's say, how do you how do you not mess up this trick, but also give people uh, a moment that they will cherish for the, for the rest of their lives? I mean, you know, like there are huge, because it's so rare, right? For someone to do a magic trick to somebody, they're n- that person's never going to probably forget. I mean, I've had people literally say, oh, you know, I had that signed coin still like on my dress. And this was years ago. Yeah. And th- I, I hear that all, or the signed card. Or I remember when you did this. Yeah. I'm like, I don't. I, I, I just <laughs> sat down and told you. I remember you lit your fucking. Yeah, right, right, right. See, it's, it's so- something that is um, deeply connected to people. I think it's one of the few art forms. Music might be. Uh, probably up there as well, for sure. But um, I think magic is something. See, I don't know. The more you talk about it, I swear, I, I feel yeah. like comedy's right there. Right there. Because same thing. You, you have people having a shitty day. That's, that's my bad. You have people having a shitty day, and, and you know, a friend of them is like, hey, let's go to the comedy club. And they go to the comedy club because fuck it. They just go there. And then they hear a joke that they relate to. Or, or there's just a moment where it's just so fucking funny. They'll, they'll never forget. Like, I, there's nights that I remember, you know, from 10 years ago that I'm just still laughing my ass off because I, I relate to that at that moment. Or, like you said, you do a magic trick, there's that impression. And remember, let's get the facts for us, you know, straight. There's only, like, 2,000 fucking comedians in the world, you know, if you really think about it. And maybe there's, like, a top 100 of, like, the all-known. There's only, like, 2,000. Magicians, I guarantee you, is probably less if anything there is but most people that do magic do not go out and perform i mean usually they'll show their friends um family members but as far as getting gigs there there's not many in, in that regard too like yeah there's, there's probably not even many places how many places in downtown show mat or in los angeles show magic uh black rabbit rose magic, um, castle. magic castle and that's basically it yeah you know um, where there's, maybe a I'm com- missing there's a comedy fucking club every block. Yeah. So, but that's what I mean. Like it's, um, and again, I'm biased. So, uh, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I can tell by your totally. fucking shoulders and hmm, fuck you. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I would fight. How for dare me. you compare? No, I, I just, I think, I think it's, it's this, I, I don't mean anything negative Not at no, all. I, I'm thinking like that's, it leaves an impression that people like, you know, and, and, and P I've heard, and I, I've done, I did stand up comedy, you know, years ago. And there's still people that call me up. They're like, why did you stop? That one joke I related to, that shit was funny. Like, people relate to it at that moment. It's very, that's why it exists. You know, that's why there is funny movies. That's why there is a bunch of shit. Right. No, I'm just biased. It's that simple. That makes sense. Um, And I think probably, too, I'm on the front end of, like I said, people coming back and saying, um, you know, I kept this, I kept that, or I remember when you did this. And that's pretty consistent, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so just... You know, it's like most of the time, uh, pretty much every time people are like, I've never seen magic up close, you know? I thought it was always, you know, I thought on TV it was always just camera tricks or something. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. So when people get to perform or get to, a, I call it a collaboration between the magician and the spectator, 
it uh, becomes a very unique moment in, in their life. Just the fact of uh, I had a magic trick happen to me. It's it's not common at all. Yeah. You know, I, I, my question is outside of me doing tricks with you. Have you done magic with uh, a magician, so to speak? Mm, I met a magician at a stand-up place. Uh, yeah, got that. <laughs> um, and then I used to dabble uh, around with magic. My, my mom would buy me a lot of magic tricks. And, oh, really? And, and she bought me magic tricks, uh, card books, you know, how to, like, how to, how to do magic tricks right, with cards, right. uh, and then a piano and a guitar. And I couldn't figure out. My mom wouldn't buy me anything except for these things. And I asked the friend, I go, man, my mom buys me all this shit. You know, I'm, I'm going to learn this trick. I'm going to learn that trick. He goes, you know, she's doing that so you can stay at home, right? Because <laughs> it was crazy because between 12 and 15, it, like in the 90s, I was out. I was playing sports. I was partying. I was partying. Like I partied a lot from 12 to 15. And then when I got these tricks, I was like, I'd stay home and practice it. And so, so I dabbled with it a lot. And I did, I did a lot of card tricks, basic shit. Not, right, right. Nothing that I would ever show now. Actually, I still do some of the card tricks. You haven't showed me any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I wouldn't want to show you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, a lot of kids, I think, were into magic. I've, I've heard this, a lot, I've run into a lot of people. Um, and uh, it's, it's interesting how it, it, uh, it attracts a certain type of person. Same thing with, you know, motorcycles, same thing with certain, you know, maybe extreme sports and stuff. Um, but I think historically speaking i mean it's one of those wonder amazement um um feelings that it's hard to come by in life especially when you get older as an adult you become jaded nothing impresses you anymore uh you can figure everything out and these are kind of like unspoken things with an adult like oh i know yeah but no but but question mm -hmm. where do you realize there's money in this where do you realize that you can still do this and you still want to do this because this is your bread and butter right, right. no it is I, so, um, so so i i think for me i never knew like as a child i never knew that oh i can make this into a career i can make money off this to me it was like oh these are cool you know when i'm, when I'm drinking with some people I'll do some tricks right. and that's it but that's that's it where did you realize this is a business um, I would say maybe six, six years ago. I mean, as a kid, I got into magic like yourself and, um, what are we talking about? 12, 13, eight, eight. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, you know, you don't know what that's all about in terms of like, you could turn this into money and, or, you know, you're not thinking about money at eight. Um, but yeah, I would say six, six years ago. I mean, there was a lar a very large gap. Um, I started doing magic at eight. I stopped when I was 12. Um, and then I didn't pick it up until I was 32. Really? You know? And I was doing it as a hobby. And that's how usually people start out. Um, and usually it stays that way. But I always wanted to create uh, magic. And I knew there was money in creating. But what and happened at 32? Um, you know, I, I was working at a job. And I was doing... Um, Photo editing. I was a photo editor. And, you know, it was a lot of cl clockwork type of stuff that was very easy for me to do. And I ended up watching some YouTube videos getting back into magic. I don't really know actually why, but it was started with the YouTube. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that trick. I remember that trick. And it went there, and then I found the marketplace of magic. I I'll call it the magic store online. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. Um, and I just very much got obsessed with it again, and it really brought me back to my childhood, and I've always said, w 
we shouldn't be looking back at our childhood to see what interests us because 100%. we were completely unbiased. Like we were the innocence of we like something because we were drawn we were drawn to it. And for me, it's just very emotional to go back to childhood and find something that I'm not uh, influenced by. Like, oh, I should do this because this person's doing it. I mean, even from a motorcycle, let's say standpoint, yeah. um, you know, you usually get into it from someone else. You know, as far as an adult, and you feel like you know what. Yeah, so there's that pressure. But as far as a kid, I think there's very little. And um, Well, being a kid, uh, man, I, I hate that I can't remember the name of this book, but there's a book that talks about you want to learn how to do shit or you want to get shit done or you want to come up with a new idea, you, you talk to kids, you know, because that, that kid mentality, they're not biased. All they do is ask questions. How does this work? Why does it work? Why is it try? Even Neil deGrasse Tyson was saying when – when a kid grabs paint and he rubs it all over the floor, he's not doing that to be an asshole. He's doing that because he's seeing pay, he sees paint, and he's wondering what happens if I rub it on the floor. Oh, what if I use two hands? <gasps> oh, That's, what if yep. I grab water and yep. pour water? They're 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 experimenting things. That's me. That's yeah. what I do for work. It's all experimentation. It's all the ex- whole thing. Exactly. It's all experimental. And and then it's it's parents saying, "Don't do this. You're making a mess. Stop that." We grow up with these rules, and it's for the wrong reasons. It's because we don't want to interrupt a, a grown-up's life, you know, our parents' life. And, and they start putting rules and regulations and how we should do things and not do things. And then we turn into these fucking people scared of, you know, breaking out of that shell and getting stuff done. Exactly. So at 32, you realize that, and you start going into mat. But what made you realize that? You were just, um, I mean, what? You I, fucking... I think I just picked up where I left off. It was, but, but how? There's got to be mm-hmm. something. How? Worm? How the fuck did you go from twelve? What did you say? Twelve? Um, yeah, stop. Twenty at years later, yeah. what snapped in your fucking head, bro? And you said, "Wait a minute, I'm doing this wrong." I mean, I would say that I'm an extremely spiritual person, and that's the only. But what happened in the twenty years? You know what? I, you know what I feel like you're doing. I feel like uh, this is Jesus is Christ, those 18 years. Like, what the fuck was he doing in those 18 years? I was trying to, you know, I guess find myself in a, in a way, you know. Um, there's some people that are late bloomers. I wouldn't say that's how I am generally, but as far as the love of my life in terms of my uh, part of my purpose, um, just deeply embedded inside of me, and I felt that I was really, really good at it, and yeah. I couldn't prove that, you know. And I kept trying and I kept submitting to companies and, um, you know, it was no, no, or, or don't hear. And then I got my first bite about two, over over two and a half years ago was my first, like, re- release um, on the market. And um, that's when I moved to L.A. And I was like, okay, I really now believe in myself. And um, that's fucking awesome. Networked here. I didn't know really anyone in magic. I knew a couple people in New York from the shop and stuff, but there was no community. And generally speaking, there's not. A so you came out here on your own. Yeah. And um, most people don't realize, but L.A. and Vegas, obviously, the cap. I would say that they're the capitals of magic in the United States. Yeah. So what um, about in the world. Uh, yeah. I mean, no, but what, what, what's really big in the world? Like what, what countries do a lot of magic? Uh, actually, I believe England has the most magicians per capita than anywhere in the world. India might per capita. I don't really sure, but I would say that those are the but two But they're not major even sure. They're fucking 1.4 billion people. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You know, I would say that those two cultures are even more into magic because I don't think 
Um, when comparing the American culture to those two countries, it doesn't compare. Those two countries are very much embedded into magic, and it makes sense historically. Medieval times, where was yeah. that? Uh, India, very, very spiritual country, right? Um, you take a country, let's say, very spiritual country in terms of like Haiti. It's the exact opposite. It's scared of magic. Yeah, black magic. Right. Santeria. Right. So it's interesting to see how magic plays in different cultures. And this is true as, you know, if you perform for someone in Asia that, that was born and raised there versus the United States, you're going to get a different reaction. Same thing in England. You will get a different reaction uh, from different cultures. And it's just kind of interesting to see that. Um, but, but no, I mean, magic has been uh, very good to me, or should I say LA has been very good to me. And I've really networked and really worked myself into the people that um, that really have been embedded into the industry, and it's it's been wonderful. That, that that's awesome, and and I gotta say congratulations on many levels because, yeah, you, you, it took you twenty years from when you stopped to get back into it, but some people never get back into whatever they were into. Yeah, you know, some people will. Uh, I read an article of you know things that people say. Um, when they're when they're on, on the you know a dying bed you know they're 80 years old and they're dying right. and you know like i think the top i think the top three regrets is i, I didn't quit my job on time there's i didn't say i love you right. you know there's you know a bunch of stuff i regret not doing this but the top three was i didn't quit my job early enough i didn't do what i wanted to do i didn't spend the time with my family those are the biggest regrets and, and it happens to a lot of us yeah, I think most people want to leave their job. And I think what people fail to realize is, or they, I think they do realize it, that the amount of work that it takes to not, well, not just to walk away from this job, but to put what you have to put in by yourself. You're now you're not accountable. You're not accountable. You don't have a boss. Um, if you have children and a wife, sure, you're accountable, but a lot of people won't take that risk. And that could be the, the opposite, you know, the part, the other partner, yeah. right? So there's a lot that goes into that. And I've just always been a person that has worked uh, very little for people. I've always done what I can do to make money outside of kind of the traditional nine to five. And I've, I've had both worlds, you know? Yeah. Um, and they both serve really, uh, they both have pros and cons and the con for working Fuck for yourself. Fuck nine to five, bro. <laughs> Fuck nine to five. I mean, I, if you're I working totally a nine agree. to five and you're listening to this, quit your fucking job and do what you love. <laughs> I, I told, I, I give the example of my older brother. My brother served in the Navy. He was in the USS Abraham Lincoln. He fucking, he, he, he didn't like the military. He left honorable discharge and all of a sudden he's working security at this company for 16 fucking years. Every day of his life, he's calling me, I hate my job. I hate my job. That's I hate my people. job. Fucking every day. he gained Does your brother weight. ride a motorcycle? No. See? Okay, no. so here we're going back to this. I think it takes a type of person that's willing to take a risk. But he did. He did ride a motorcycle. Why doesn't he now? He did. Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. When he was in the Navy, he rode a motorcycle. I feel like most people stop riding motorcycles when they, get, when they don't feel comfortable anymore. Yeah. I mean, my mother. My mother is 65. My, that's how I got into or I was influenced to ride was my mother. Yeah. Actually. And she started riding, I would say, the mid to early 90s. And she stopped maybe a year and a half ago, and she's 65. And I asked her, I said, why? And I was kind of like a little upset, because now we can't ride anymore together. And yeah. she said, I just don't feel comfortable anymore. 
Yeah. You know? I mean, even for but, me. But I, but I have a, mm-hmm. I have a story uh, to oppose that. I, I was, uh, I went to Rawhide. They're, they're an adventure training school for, for the BMWs. And now they're going to be doing the Pan America and, you know, off-road vehicles. Um, and I was talking to one of their instructors, instructors. I interviewed him. His name is Rob Glass. He got into motorcycles at the age of 19, stopped at 22, did grown-up shit, went to college, got married, started working for a company, had kids, regular fucking shit, never rode again. At the age of 62, his wife says, honey, we're done. He goes, what do you mean we're done? He goes, I I don't want to be with you anymore. He goes, what? He fucking calls a friend of his up. I I forgot exactly what took place, but he was inspired to get a motorcycle. He buys a motorcycle. He leaves home. Never comes back. He's been ten years on the road on a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do you explain well, that? See, I'll explain it. It has to do with fear too. Uh, married and kids. Now that his kids are grown up and he doesn't have a wife, he doesn't have responsibility. And that's not to say that, like, I listen. Regardless of whether someone, you know, uh, keeps doing it and th- their partner is okay with it and they're okay with it in terms of the kids, because there's always this fear of lingering that you're going to die because you know you're not protected on a motorcycle, really. You know, when it comes down to it, um, and I think that probably a lot had to do that. Rodney Dangerfield didn't get back into comedy until I think his fifties, and yeah. that's because he got divorced and his kids grew up. Because he wanted to focus on, you know, the kids and his marriage. And I think it's very honorable, but I'm the type of person that, screw it, I'm doing, I'm doing it all. You know, and I want to be with a partner that is cool with that. So. What's harder, comedy or riding a bike? Oh, comedy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> magic <laughs> or riding a bike? Oh, magic for sure. Magic's harder, huh? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not like a trick guy in terms of motorcycles, you know, other than yeah, uh, no, know, no, that's other than standing up yeah, and yeah. laying down. You know, I've stood up on a motorcycle, yeah, lay yeah. down on a motorcycle. Uh, but as far as like doing a wheelie or something, I don't know. Is that is that hard? Um, I think it's a huge risk, obviously. But um, no, I mean, you know, it's weird. Is magic hard? Um, I would say, generally speaking, it it, it definitely. Oh, I would have is. to say it is definitely to is. get in front of people, especially professionally. To oh, just get everything. In front of, oh, to and everything. everybody's so looking at every. Like yes. I, I seen you do your tricks in front of people, in front of me, and everybody is looking at every corner. They're looking over your shoulders, under your arms, mm-hmm. they're looking in your sleeves. And this motherfucker, I know what the fuck he's gonna do. I fucking eye got him. Like, oh shit! How the fuck did he do that? I recorded you, and I'm like, how the fuck did he fucking do that over and over and over trying to figure it out? So that, that's, it's more pressure, but really more dangerous than a bike. Um, oh, I th- did you say, I, I'm sorry, I forgot the qu- was it more dangerous? Was that the question? More dangerous, um, more risky. Well, it depends on what type of magic, right? I mean, depends sword what throwing, kind of riding, you know? Huh? Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, um, it's weird because learning how to ride in New York City I mean, I went to a motorcycle class for three days, and it's like, here's the bike. Start riding in New York City. I mean, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people that ride motorcycles across the United States that would never ride in New York City. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there's a lot of challenges in New York City. You're talking about oh, yeah. crappy even L.A. Road. Even L.A., yeah, even for LA. sure. I, I was at Eagle Riders one time, and I saw a couple pick up their car, their bike. You know, they flew in from Europe. They got picked up from the airport. They got a bike. They left. 45 minutes later, they called back. They said, pick up the bike. We're not riding they, they had to go towards downtown. They panicked, and they're like, the bike's on yep. the side of the road. We're not getting on this. Forget it. 
Yeah, I, I would say that New York City is way harder because when I got here and started riding, I felt so free. I'm like, this is so easy. Like, I'm just <laughs> hanging out. Um, New York City just is brutal. I mean, you're talking about just horribly um, damaged roads, um, much more narrow, tons of lights after lights after lights. And you just, and I listen, I get why there's no real true culture. I mean, there's a lot of motorcycle clubs uh, maybe not a lot, but a couple, and they just hang out. They don't really ride around the city. You don't see motorcycle clubs riding around the city. They, yeah. they literally just hang out. They have their bike. They work on their bike, and maybe they'll take a weekend uh, or just one day out of the weekend to go upstate. Yeah. That's it. What were you doing, Thailand? Um, I was visiting. I my uh, ex girlfriend. Awesome out there. Yeah, ex girlfriend. Um, from there originally, I met her in New York City, and pretty much all her family is back. Was back there. And I uh, went twice, and it was amazing. It was amazing. Um, they they love Harleys. Yeah, they love Harleys. I mean, they. I don't. You, are you familiar with the vintage Harley T-shirt market? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I know of the market, but out there. Oh, they. They. I would say Southeast Asia is one of the, or probably is the market that drives such high prices for Harley shirts. Really. I mean, you're talking about. $800, $1,500, $2,500 shirts. There, there's some um, people I follow. They're from Singapore. And they're oh, yeah. fucking hardcore as fuck with bikes. Oh, and no, that's and they I'm got saying. bikes out Southeast there, which Asia. you got to have money to yep. like ride out there. For the 48 Sportsters, I think base is like $12,000, $13,000. Right. In Thailand, it's $36,000. I should take my street glide there. Well, see, here's the thing. You know what they're going to charge you? Hmm. 90% of the value of the bike is a tax. MSRP or with the, with the custom parts? Um, I guarantee. I'm assuming it's the insurance you put upon it, shipping it overseas. That's what I'm assuming. Right. So it's like, do you want to take the risk of putting some price that's lower than something happens? That's that's the ultimate question. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's manufactured. I, I don't know. But I'm assuming. I wonder how hard it'd be to take bikes out there and sell them and flip them. I don't know. It's good. It looks like a good market. Imagine you could take your sports over there and sell for fucking $30,000. I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah. And then come back here and buy two two bikes. You could be like, <laughs> ta-da. It's wild. I, I got a bad joke. Go ahead. I got a bad joke. There's a magician on uh, on stage, and he says, I need the strongest person here from the crowd to come up to the stage. This one big, strong dude comes up, and he's like, oh, you know. He gets on stage. He goes, all right, I want you to grab this hammer, and I want you to hit me on the head as hard as you can. The guy goes, are you sure? And he's like, I'm sure. Okay. So he grabs the hammer and he fucking hits the magician so fucking hard. The magician blacks out. He, he's he's unconscious. Ambulances come. They take him to the hospital. Like The show's canceled, right? He goes into a coma for fucking 20 years. Wakes up. And the doctor's like, are you okay? He goes, ta-da. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, That's sorry. amazing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. It's funny. It's very fitting, right? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's very fitting. I, I have no idea where I heard that joke. I heard that years ago. Years ago. It's pretty amazing. It's uh it's one of those family friendly jokes that's oh, actually yeah. funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, definitely and it's not a dad joke. It's a sophisticated joke. It's not joke. a dad joke. Exactly. It's not a dad thank joke. you. It's a sophisticated See? joke. Listen to this guy. <laughs> yeah, my my uh my twelve year old sent me uh he sends me YouTube videos of dad jokes. I'm like, dude, I don't dad joke, bro. Like, you don't get it. But he'll get it soon. Yeah. So how has COVID been affecting you? 
Uh, affected me personally, no. Affected a lot of my friends that you know are on the front end. Why not you? Why not you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not you? Um, you because the back end. You know, I mean, if people are spending money, then you know, what, what creators do you mean are making. End? Well, you know, magic trick creation. I don't uh, make money from the front end. When I say I don't make money from performing. So because everything was shut down, you know, I, since I don't perform, it doesn't affect me. So if I'm creating magic and I, I you know, cyber, I actually was released during the pandemic. I, I bet you, you that's know, okay. Let's, July, talk, let's yeah, sure. talk about that. How would you describe what you created? I, first of all, fucking crazy props. It's Thank fucking you. awesome. What's the idea? What can you say here and where can people find it once we get to that point? Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the premise of the trick, we'll start with that, is you show somebody, a random person, your phone, as far as the screen. So you could be at the beach, in oh, Cancun. Yeah. No matter where. You could be in Cuba, walk up to a stranger. Doesn't matter. Her name could be Sally or yep. Stephanie, whatever her whatever name is. Whatever it is. Or his name, whatever, yep. yeah. And you can walk up to someone, show them your dial pad, have them think of their phone number. You've never met them before. You've never told them to write anything down. Nothing. And they look at the phone, and it glitches out, and it dials their phone, and their phone rings. You know? I mean, it's a powerful... When I create magic, I really try to look at... Goosebumps. (laughs) Goosebumps, ladies and gentlemen. And I I, I, I fucking do the trick. You can see the trailer. People can see the trailer. The trailer's outstanding. Um, Who did that production? Uh, Theory 11, which is... uh, The the art store. The art store, the the magic store? Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, in theory, it's a magic store. I mean, they're more than that, but I would say that they're a magic creation and and company. Um, They create all their magic they sell. They they create in terms of people like me. They will bring someone on board as a trick if they find it. You know, it fits fits the brand. Okay, so so how did you come up with your idea... How long have you been working on it, and how did uh, how did this company find you? So I um, I started coming up with the trick November two thousand and nineteen, and the trick was in production for let's see um, eight nine months until it was released. And you know, there's a lot of most people don't realize there's a lot even people that buy magic that don't don't create don't realize like what actually goes into producing a trick and, and it being released. Um, so I was at a magician's friend uh, house, and uh, another another magician creator came over, and I showed him, and he was very intrigued and very impressed, and he's like, "Listen, I work for Theory Eleven." And, you know, I, I spoke to him actually before at a birthday party, and I've known about him for years in the industry because uh, he's a prominent figure. And he's like, I work for Theory 11, which, of course, I knew Theory 11. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll pitch it. I'm like, okay, sounds good. And I um, get a, a call from him, says, you know, um, they're very interested. And um, I get an email and, you know, contract and negotiate, contract in hand, goes into production and... At that time, I think seven months later, it comes out. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. Now, it, it does it does more than just Correct. you can grab somebody's phone and have their phone call your phone, regardless mm-hmm. how hot the girl is. Not It's not for that. It's magic. But you can have anybody's phone call your phone. But what else does it do? Um, you can have the person think of any word, and it's sent to their phone. Um. You can, crazy. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's other ways to perform it. Like you can put your phone down 
put your hand over the phone, the flashlight beams up, you throw the beam over to their phone and it rings. Wait, what? <laughs> Repeat that? So you put your phone down, right. put the screen down. Uh, so I put my, okay. You, you put your phone, phone down, the magician okay. right. puts the phone down on the table face down. So you're looking at the camera, right? right? You put your hand over it. And as soon as you put your hand over it, the flashlight, the LED, excuse me, beams up into your hand. And you then take that and you, you could do anything you want with that. It's a theatrical piece. But then when that light goes off, their phone rings. Whoa. Yeah. You can tell them their phone number. Now, this only works with Android, right? Uh, it works with both. The, so it works you with need, iOS. Because I've done it with my... I, that was a trick question. Yeah, right. Because I, <laughs> I do it on my iPhone. I want everybody to know that it works on both, but I never tried it on It Android. works on both as the spectator, right? The person participating. But the magician needs an iPhone. An iPhone. Yeah. And pretty much every model of iPhone yeah. works. I think uh, it's iPhone 7 and above. So I'm pretty sure 99% of people have that. It's it's awesome tricks, everybody. Thank it's you. Very I, awesome I'm tricks. very very proud of it. Um, it hits so many buttons for me. Um, so you do the light show. You can have a <laughs> you have a stranger's phone call you. You can have a person think of a word, and that word will be texted to their phone. Yes. You can. What else? Um, well, there's a lot of stuff in the works for the. There's a pro version that I really can't. I can't discuss, but okay. it does a lot more, especially with the phone numbers as well. Right. Um, but even more than, than just than just that. That's mind-blowing. So. And, and where, where do we find this? Theory11.com. Theory11.com. Go to the magic trick section and find cyber. C-Y-B-E-R. And then there they'll find uh, everything they need, all the information. Yep. The tra- they can see the trailer. Um, you purchase oh, guys, it right on there. Oh, check it out. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, they listen. They did a beautiful job. Um, I'm gonna ask job. you, and, I, and, and be honest, the people in the video are legit. One hundred percent. There's no. I don't screw. You know, like uh, not to be defensive, but I think it's important. You're to so note. fucking defensive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very passionate you're about oof. this. Extremely <laughs> passionate about this. But no, I mean, there are people that do this nonsense of like stage things, and there's a. I mean, I'm very much against it. There, there's you know, without getting too much into it. Um, Generally speaking, it's absolute nonsense to have somebody be staged for the sake of getting a reaction. Yeah. Um, it, it goes against my philosophy in every way. And yeah, I want people to experience magic, but I also want my customer, you know, a, a, someone that's supporting me and, and wants to support me to know like this trick works and it, you can, you can get this trick to be an, uh, you can get a mo- You see, the thing is, is that I think everyone does magic for, for a different reason. And for me, it's about a connection with another human being. And if you can connect with them and this trick makes them feel a certain way, um, I feel like I've done my job. And I, think I mean, but there's no trick I think out there that can connect people more than this fucking trick. So literally, <laughs> So, yeah, again, my philosophy of magic is how do we embed magic culturally speaking, but also from a deep psychological sense. And I think that having this type of trick hits both of those. We're talking about um, the the, very private connection with somebody. Absolutely. Right. But also very culturally relevant. Um, We're such a phone culture. 
and to be able to connect with someone. Connect, bro. You're knocking all you know? the fucking barriers down and shit. You get past those barriers, people are like, oh, oh my God, I'm you not know me so well. I'm not responsible for yeah. any misuse of this trick. Is, no. is, there, is there any disclaimers and stuff like that? Terms and conditions or not um, really? I don't... I mean, other than nothing like that, I mean... Like, by buying this magic trick, you will have phone numbers of hot girls and whatever. <laughs> like, a, I don't know. Like, whatever disclaimer there is. I mean, maybe they put that in there. I, I didn't personally see it. But, um, no, no but, I mean... But Theory, Theory 11 is a huge company, right? I'm, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to sound yeah. ignorant, but I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Other they, than uh, I bought... They also do playing cards. They're huge in playing card uh, I industry. saw their 007 series. Uh, yeah. They, uh, interesting enough, they just came out with a deck that um, I'm very close friends with as an artist that we haven't spoken to in a year or two. So I called her up and I'm like, we both have a product <laughs> on there. So they're doing a whole artist series. She's a visual artist. And I know her from Brooklyn, you know, um, for many years. Um, and it was really cool to have that kind of connection. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're very well revered in the magic industry. They do very limited releases a year. Um, and I'm just really grateful to be on there and I'm very proud of the trick. And I just really I thank everyone. I really thank you for supporting it. It really means a 100%, lot. 100%. 100%. So much. I, I, th I, think, I think that is the coolest fucking magic trick that I have ever even, I, I didn't even know I can learn something like that, you know, to be honest. I, I didn't think, and it's cool because I saw, I saw the video and I was like, I got a fucking Cancun trip coming up and <laughs> I got my buddies. I want to show up. But my buddy's been living out there and I just learned the basic trick, you know, the, the, the have a person's phone call me yeah. and bro, like you're, you're talking about people's eyes and like, Oh my God, como you know, like they're fucking losing their mind. You saw the trailer. Yeah. And, and, and it, it was, but it was even crazier. Like the trailer was underrated compared to like what people are doing. Like it, it's, it's a cool fucking trick. And and the fact, you know, there's some tricks, there's some tricks that exist that people accept and they go, fuck, that was amazing. And that's as far as it goes. But it, it, I don't think there's a driver for people to say, I want to learn that. How do I learn that? Where do I go to learn that? There, there's too many questions where people, and, and too many reasons not to get that deep into it and find out how to do magic that when I saw your video and then saw that it's something I can buy and it gets, you know, instructions and the information right. is there and, and I can do it, it, it was very fucking cool. So this and, is kind and, of... And I'm not, I'm not doing this to blow smoke up your ass. I'm not doing this for my listeners. I, I'm, I'm legit saying it is a fucking great magic trick. Thank you, you so know, much. And, and I highly recommend it. Anybody that learns this fucking trick, anybody that does this, anybody... Look, I'm looking at the camera. Anybody that does this trick in front of anybody will lose their fucking mind. And if you have a wife or a girlfriend or a husband, whatever, and you do that and, and they know you know this trick, they're going to fucking lose their mind. Like, that's how good this trick is. It makes your spouse jealous, like straight <laughs> out. Like, what? Well, you touched on something. Most, like, you know, like I was saying, most people don't realize that magic, you know, people. Obviously, yeah. I had an angle. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. No, right. right. And um, the, the question really is, is that why do people ask, how do you do that rather than where do you learn that? Right. Very, I don't think I've That's ever what I was gotten. To say. Right. I don't think I've ever gotten someone that says, how do you learn that? There will be, there will be times that people do, but I've never come across somebody that when you did the trick, now maybe they say it in after the conversation, 
but their first initial reaction is they're so caught up in the magic that they've kind of forget they're looking at a magic trick. Right. You know? Yeah, it's but probably, how did you do that? Or do it again. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And most people don't realize that magic is an industry just like anything else, and you can get into it. And I highly suggest people dabble into it. I think it's a great art form. It's a great hobby. Um, yes, there are secrets, and we don't like revealing things and everything. But oh, I it's say... It's a code, right? Yeah, but everyone's welcome. There's a lot of magicians that get upset that there's more people coming into magic, that people shouldn't know about this stuff. Yeah, but that's back to like the whole argument of comedians, that comedians don't like other comedians to come because no. they're yep. not that fucking good, yep. and then other yep. good ones are coming, and it just makes people, people that found their sweet spot, they don't want to grow from there. And if people keep coming in, they're like, fuck, I got to work now. I got to learn a new trick. Oh, fuck, this new kid just got it. Right. You know, so I, I, I think... Yeah, they hate us because they ain't us, right? Yeah, I, it's just um, this elitism kind of attitude that I, I don't like. I'm very principled, but elitism when it comes to... Well, that happens with the biker community, oh too. Oh, my God. You, you have, like, like you know, on the BMW, not as much now, but on the BMW, before the riders that would ride the BMW, they would be like, they know everything about the fucking bike. And then they'd come up to you and ask you something. If you didn't know the answer, it was like, oh, I don't even know why you're riding or why'd you get right. this bike or unwelcoming. Or the sports guys. The sports guys fucking disregard the Harley riders like, oh, they're not real bikers. Like, well, the Harley riders do it to the... Right, and we all do it, you know, like, oh, you're not part of this and you're not part of that. And But they're, you're right, everybody's doing it to each other. Yeah, it's... um, But I say more the merrier because yeah. I want people to come into this art form. I want them to experience... Um, and even if they don't take it seriously, if they just buy a trick here or there. and I mean, listen, yeah, it, it helps me and it helps, you know, people that I know that, that create for sure. But... The more people that are involved in an art form, the more it advances. Yeah. And if you love magic or you love what you do, you want it to advance. You don't want to stifle it to be stuck in the past or to be like, oh, there's nothing new or interesting coming out. No, more the merrier. Go to theory11.com, buy the trick. My friend uh, Nicholas Lawrence, he has his own company that only produces his stuff. I'm coming out with a trick with him on there. It's nicholaspresents.com. And that's actually really helping directly a creator. It's not even going through a company. It's going through through him because, you know, business dealings or percentages and stuff like that. But um, there's more creators going solo, but they don't walk away from the industry as, as far as, you know, coming out with tricks on, on, yeah. on the market. But, yeah, most people have no idea that this exists. When people find out, they're like, completely confused like what i didn't know that existed i didn't know it's a market for magicians what's going on and i have access to it you bought you can buy a trick yeah you know and that's the point is it's not about secrecy for the sake of secrecy it's do you support this are you willing to spend your money to learn the secret nobody i, I don't think any there's no rational person in magic that would be against that but if someone's going to teach a trick that somebody else's for free, that's where it's like, it's kind of like piracy, but it's also a spoken code in magic where it's like, no, like I told, you know, like I told a mutual friend, I said, if you show me a trick, I'll show you something and I'll show something basic, right? yeah. something that's initial. It's like, if you're willing to go on YouTube and show me a trick, 
then I'll show you something of a basic magic trick on, on how it works. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's tons of YouTube channels out there that teach basic magic. What, what, what do you think of those kids? Have you seen those Korean kids or those Chinese kids oh, that fucking show the tricks? Yeah, like the yeah. kids trying. Yeah. I like it because, you know, I mean, obviously it's all set up. But the kid sure. does is so focused on like, oh, look at my magic trick. And then the other guy is like, eh, eh, eh. I, yeah. what do magicians think about that? I think there's probably a lot that are very, very angry. For me, um, I don't necessarily have uh, mixed feelings about it. But to me, it's like... Your answer looked mixed feeling. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, liar. I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think it's appropriate. But at the same time, these are not tricks that affect people's income in terms You're of right. the creation market of people who are on there. No. Yeah, these are like the home tricks, right? Yeah, these are very old tricks that are propped uh, based. You know, it depends. Like a stage guy might, you know, or a girl may not like this, uh, possibly. But these are what I call a dinky trick. It's like, then we have to try harder. If, if And right. that's my mentality. If people are going to go ahead and do that, I don't support it. But if people are going to go ahead and do that, then I'd rather have them do that than take something from me or my friend and do it, do it like that, number one. And number two, um, if they're going to do it, which, which they are, you know, you got to look at the side of like, we got to try harder now and that's okay. We, we don't 100%. have control. But also that might bring in more people into magic One, uh, okay so and I, then I, and then become buyers then maybe become a creator right and right? they're gonna be want to be in it i guarantee you that video did more views than most magic videos in in oh. general in oh, general yeah. like that, sure, I'm, not, for sure. I'm not talking about yeah, the professionals yeah. no, 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 and no, david sure, blaine's sure. and blah blah i'm talking about two regular kids fucking around yep got more views and got more people interested in magic than anything else. There was definitely and people. And when people saw that, they were like, fuck, you know, I, I, I want to do that. Oh, is that how, where do I buy that? And I bet you there was more people going to magic stores because of that video than anything. 100%. Number two, uh, I, I did a podcast recently with Roland Sands, mm -hmm. which we, we, we touched yep. bases right before this. And what Roland says is like going to stick with me hopefully like forever. But, you know, he was like, I go, bro, I noticed a lot of your shit gets copied. You know, and you could buy fucking fake versions, Chinese versions. You could buy fucking discounted versions. He goes, all that does is telling me that I'm, I'm doing things right. And it keeps me on the edge that I got to make it better. Right. And continuously. And, and it's a race because you see the knockoffs of Roland Sands. And every year he's making something better and greater and doing this. And because he knows people are, fall, are, are making fun of it or copying it or whatever the case is, he's doing a great job. You know? Yeah, it's um, it's all about taking. I, I have the philosophy is taking a difficult situation or maybe pain because you know it, it can be painful for sure. Yeah, but taking that and making the best out of it. You don't you don't have any control over that happening. So what do you have control over? Get a fire inside of you and be like, yo, like if I'm doing more and I'm just doing so much, I don't even care what I did last year. Right. You know, Andy Warhol had this philosophy, and I'm a big Warhol uh, fan in terms of philosophy, not necessarily art so much, although I very much respect it. And his philosophy is create so much art that by the time somebody judges something you created, you've literally already created 10 things. Right. Because you can't get attached to your art. If you get attached to your art, it stifles you, it limits you, 
And the question then becomes, are you really a working artist? Like, where, what do you care more about? Do you care about what, what people think or do you care about what you're doing? Yeah. And there's, a ba- there's always a balance. In, in, in See, that. Uh, once again, to me, this reminds me of comedy. Okay. Th- there's comedians that stick to that same jokes and they feel comfortable with those same jokes and they'll tell the same jokes for years. years. Yep, yep. You know, and then you have other comics that like every few months or every year they're trying to switch it up, switch it up, switch it up. And they do that. And, and I think... I think obvious. I don't think I know for sure. People that are doing the Netflix specials are always constantly changing their shit. And Joe Rogan talks about it on his podcast. He's like, because he's to. done the Netflix specials, he has to switch it up every couple of years, you know. But there are people that hang on to it, you know, hang on to their trick, and then the new yep. people come in. It's like, no, don't let them come in because they're gonna know my fucking trick. Yep, exactly. and those opinions shouldn't fucking matter. No. And if you're one of those magicians, grow up. You know, keep <laughs> practicing new shit. No, seriously. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know if I have any business doing this, but we're talking back. We're, 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 we're the human race, and we're, we're here for the long run. And if somebody catches up to you, you know, or is willing to train harder than you, then guess what? They deserve it. 100%. You know? I think, um, I forgot, I think it was Michael Jordan's coach or something. He was saying that, like, you know, Michael Jordan would train every fucking day because he knew if there was a day he wasn't somebody else was and somebody was going to catch up to him so he hit it hard every fucking day i've always said you don't need to be the smartest you don't need to be the most the best looking you just need to work harder than everyone else or put more work in and elon musk has that 100 hour work week it's like you do a 100 hour work week um you're literally three years you know uh, in front of people Absolutely. You know, like you're ahead of them by three years. If someone put in, you know, let's say 30 hours. a week. You know, I, I just concluded, um, you know, because time goes so fast, you know, especially when you start getting your 30s, like, dude, time's oh flying oh. by. And you know what I was concluding <laughs> to? I, I, t- I call my mom. I go, mommy, time flies so quick. Why? And she's like, you really want to know why? I go, yeah, I really want to know why. She goes, because we sleep one third of our life. Because, mm. you know, there's 24 hours it's average eight hours. Yeah, it's you sleep one third of your fucking life. Think about that. How about that for a mind fuck? It's a lot. It's a. It's lot. a lot of time. It's a lot of percentage of your life. And it, you know, people don't think about that. I don't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't really. It's like I knew that, but you don't think about well, that's an extreme amount of time, right? And I think that's by the why time you're eighty years old, you slept a third of your life. What the fuck? When, okay, fuck it. Let's do easy math. When you're ninety years old, you slept a third of your life. You slept thirty fucking years. Yeah, that's it's fucked that's up. It's it, it is intense. That's Who, intense. And Eddie Murphy had one. I, I think I said this on the podcast already, but I don't care. Uh, Eddie Murphy had one where he just did a video, and he's like, um, he's like, guys, life is short. All right, most of us will probably live to like, let's say, I think he said a span of a hundred years. Uh, in a hundred years, that means there's a hundred summers, a hundred winters, a hundred falls, and a hundred springs. The first ones won't even count. The last ones won't even count. That leaves about 70 of them. So that means we have 70 summers, 70 winters, 70 springs, and most of us already lived half of those. Live your life. Live your life now. And that's what I say is, like, take your passion, and your passion could be raising a family. It it doesn't matter what it is. I don't... Whatever gives you purpose. Exactly. Is you take that purpose. That's a good point. Uh, You take that purpose, and you... Do it as much as you put as much effort as you possibly can. 
And I think there's a lot of hurdles in today's culture. You know, there's a lot of confusion of oneself. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of distractions. And I think in um, my 20s, I was focused on too much. You know, like you, you, you putting all your energy into one thing um, brings the best result possible. That's not to say like you do t two things or three things that you don't, but it's like if you look at the most successful people, they literally dedicate their entire life. And, you know, you pay a price for that. You yeah. know, you do. Uh, it takes a toll on your family. It can take a toll on your health. It can take a toll on your social life. It just depends on what your purpose is. I mean, for me, it's a, it's a very healthy balance. You know, I love what I do. I do it to the best of my ability. Um, you know, you're always thinking about magic, especially from the creation side. It's like, how are you going to come up with 12 tricks on a market a year? I mean, that's like, that's literally unheard of. So you have to be constantly thinking. It's not just about where it's researching, right? It's, it's finding different material. Like, for example, cyber. Cyber was something I saw, and I was like, well, wait, if you, you do this and you do that and you do this, then I think this could work, and then it's testing, and that didn't work. And then, you know, so it's always art, I feel, is a reflection of life. You're always taking something in and then figuring out how you can express yourself from what you just experienced or what you just saw. Well, we're not always doing that. We should be always doing that, but we're not doing that. We're, we're programmed to just show up to work. Um, there, again, there's another book that I read that I can't remember the name, and it was basically saying a company wants you from the neck down. They, they want you to go to work. Don't think. We don't want your fucking ideas. Get that shit out of here. We want you from the neck down. We want you to just function and push these buttons and, and that's it. And I've been in many scenarios where I watched, like I've walked into a company and I'm just looking at everybody on this auto mode and I'm looking at them. I'm like, dude, like you're fucking, you don't even need to be here. This can be so automated, but this is the system they've created to fucking machine people and just not think. And people do this for 40, 50 fucking years. Oh, and back to my brother. Yeah. Yeah. Back to my brother. 16 fucking years. I'm like, bro, just quit your fucking job. I can't, I can't. I just bought the house. I thought, quit your fucking job. He's like, I can't, I can't, I can't. 16 years later, you know what they do? He's at the top of the fucking pay grade. They hire a new guy to do basically the same job, a lot less, and they fire him for no fucking reason. There, you know. that's it. And now it's been three years. He's, he's never been happier. He's healthier. He's more active. He's, uh, you know, fab spending more time with the family. He, 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 he's a different person. He's a different fucking person. He comes out to California. He's in Miami. He comes out to California two, three times a year. He goes visits his family and his wife's family in Colombia. Like, he's happy. He's, he's, he's a regular. He's like us right now. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, most people do that. Um, I almost kind of, I guess, in my 20s, look down at that. And then now it's... It's more of like, well, if that's what makes you happy, and I. I but then, no, no, it I, doesn't. I, I see what you're saying, but it doesn't make them happy. You makes them feel comfortable, which it, is different. Comfortable. It, it makes them. Financial insecurity is a huge fear for for people. But the fucked up thing is, is that you 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 know you can't even say that because you you know ninety nine point nine six seven point three two percent of statistics are made up, right? <laughs> Anyways, there's a statistic that they said that 80% or 85% of Americans are two paychecks away from being homeless. Uh, yeah, I think the average 
family has $5,000 saved, I think it is. Uh, it, no, I think they don't even no? have that. That's why they're two paychecks from being fucking broke. I think uh, the the national average uh, family income is $52,000 a year. The national average for a family, a family, 52000 a year. And they said it's over 80% that Americans are two paychecks away from being homeless. I, I think we have a huge education problem. In this, in this country, and I think that we uh, raise people to not tr- not try. You know, if you look at Japanese culture, right, um, or just Asian culture in general, it's a culture about pushing education and working, becoming, and especially Japanese, becoming a master at what you do. Yeah. Right? And they have their own issues, and every, everyone does. But uh, most people just do their little work, you know, like, okay, uh, it's just easier, you know, it's, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm smarter than this, right? And, you know, it's stressful, let me just go home, I'll get some dinner, watch TV. Yes and no, you're right, the educational problem that we have, and, 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 and I think it's Robert Kawasaki, Rich That Poor Dad, he brings this mm-hmm. up, uh, we're trained to be employees, you know, you, you're, you're trained to go to school, learn a profession, be good at that profession, right. And once you're out of the college, you're going to be in debt. And because you're in debt, you're going to get that job. And that's your profession. And that's it. Now it's even worse because many people get into the universities. They study that. And then when they get out, they're in debt. And they can't even get the fucking job in the field they fucking studied in because it's flooded. You know, so that, 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 and that same system, basically the same educational system that's existed for fucking let's just say 80 years for the sake of saying 80 years has been exactly the same right except for the cost all of a sudden what used to cost ten thousand dollars back then now cost eighty thousand a hundred thousand one hundred forty thousand dollars right and that's the problem we have been taught to to be good employees we're not taught about investment we're not taught to how to start a business we're not taught how to, how to use to, credit. How to use, exactly, how to use our credit. <laughs> how to manage our credit. The importance the, of managing like, our credit. What the fuck is credit? Literally being an d- adult. Right. Writing a check. Right. <laughs> Writing a check. Accounting. Like the stuff that we need, paying rent, paying bills, it, buying, it, leasing versus purchasing. And then you wonder why the country's broke. 100%. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, living all, we're all living off credit. But that's it's it. Crazy. We're all living off credit. And therefore, this is why we're two paychecks away from being broke. But at the end of the day, we have you to show us magic. (laughs) 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 To distract us from all of this shit. I know, right? Well, it's it's every art form, right? It's to distract from the mundane or the the stressful. I mean, life is stressful regardless. You know, it's like magic can be stressful. I'm dealing with some things right now. And you figure it out. It's becoming a problem solver. I mean, when you create magic, you're a problem solver. And, And that's what riding a motorcycle is. It's it's problem solving. It's there's a car in front of me. There's a yep. car in left left to okay. This car's too close to me. This close to I gotta go between the lanes. I gotta you know go. The light's gonna turn red in this second. Like it, it's really problem solving. The whole f- that's a perfect way. Yeah, to because play. you're riding a vehicle. It's not riding. You know, it's like you're yeah. you know Dude, the car. I, I swear, same thing today. I swear I was driving my truck today. I haven't driven my truck in a while. There is so much I can do while driving a truck because there's it's it's minimal. I was eating chips <laughs> on the fucking phone, Google searching. I did a custom knife. Uh, a friend of mine just had a 35th birthday, so I made I got him a leather man with his fucking name and birthday. <laughs> while I'm driving, I'm like, what? 
until I got to my destination, I go, what the fuck did I just do? I, you don't I, remember the drive. I don't, I don't, don't remember, remember the, the fucking drive. drive. I'm like, this is so bad. The car drives you. This is why we need self-driving cars. <laughs> this is why. It's going to happen. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. But this is the beauty of the motorcycle. Why would you ever want that for a motor? It just shows you the beauty of riding a motorcycle, why people ride. People don't realize this. It's fun. Every, anyone that doesn't ride a motorcycle defaults to it's dangerous. I don't think they realize how much fun it can be. I'll, I'll tell you this. It's fun as fuck, number one. It's freedom. Every time I get off my motorcycle, I feel like I just got off a parachute. Like right. I, I legit, yeah. like I, I feel like once I, I hop off my bike, I feel like taking those two extra steps. And like, whoa, 100%. I just fucking flew out of here. Well, what's up? Let me take this back back up. Um, but every time, bro, I've been riding for a long fucking time. Okay? How long have you been riding? Uh, since I was eighteen, like over twenty okay. something years, I've owned a shitload of bikes. I put a lot of fucking mileage. Uh, Do you still get that feeling when you get on, like about getting on 100 your right? One hundred fucking so like, so so when I get awesome. on <laughs> when I get on my bike. Every time I'm thinking about getting on my bike or walking towards my bike, I have fear. I have fear. I, oh, I 100 percent agree with you. Every fucking 100%. time, I'm like, what the fuck? Am Sometimes I, I pray before. Really? Oh, yeah. That's fucking crazy. Well, the do, one. Do you know where's the number one place people pray in, in the world? I have no idea. The casino. <laughs> are you serious? Are you I serious? swear to God, bro. I thought ninety nine point nine percent of statistics wrong. <laughs> no, bro, it's a casino because everybody's like, "Please, God, pay off my fucking house. Please, give me my money back. I fucked up. I shouldn't oh, have spent shit. that. Like, it's the number okay. one place." Interesting. We, go ahead. Let me get a water. Um, what was I saying? Um, no, yeah. So, um, this fear recently came over me. Um, I'd say in the last two years, where I listen, I wear a half helmet. Okay, most people in LA. Would I don't never, get that part. You don't get that. Yeah, dude, I love risk. No, um, it's 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 east it's east coast culture. I mean, look at Florida, right? There's no helmet law in Florida, right? Well, Florida's funny because if you have insurance, you don't need a helmet, and if you don't have insurance, you need a helmet. That's the law. Okay, <laughs> like go. We, we both grew. Did we both grow up in Florida? Did, I I, I did. did uh, I went to elementary school out there. Oh, okay. I was I was there until I was I was till I was twenty five, and then yeah, I moved. But what part City. of Florida? Because West Palm Beach. Oh, West Palm Beach, yeah. nice. Yep. Um, but going up to New York, there's very few people, especially Harley riders, I that wear a full face. It's just a totally different freedom, and I've I'm sure you have since you've been riding so long. But riding a motorcycle with no helmet, generally speaking, is amazing feeling. I, I've done it. It's an amazing feeling. I've done it, and I and I used to do it all the time. But um, full face is so much more comfortable. You know, like what really? Oh, for me, it is mentally or physically. Let me tell you something. What? I'm the same guy <laughs> that when I go to Mexico, everybody takes off their fucking seatbelt. I keep my seatbelt on. I'm oh, like no, used no, to no. it. Yeah, I'm like used to it. But I, I but what I'm saying is, yeah. you know, people are like fuck seatbelts. Woohoo. You know, and then people listening to this, you know, probably don't like seatbelts. But I'm the type of guy that I, I like my fucking seatbelt. Like I'm putting my seatbelt. No, on. I'm, I'm the same exact way. Full face. What I mean is more comfortable is the same way as I think a fairing is comfortable. You know, I think a fairing blocking the wind off me mm -hmm. is more comfortable. My BMW has a tall windshield and a fairing. My street glide has a fairing. My Dyna had a fairing. Like, almost every bike I've owned... It's a West Coast thing. I will has, say has that. A, has a fairing. I don't like the fairing. Yeah. I'm very... Well, listen, I think we talked one time, and um, I am the 
like I like the motorcycle experience from yes a freedom route, but I don't want to say I'm elitist, but for myself, Harley all the way for so many reasons, and I just I'm very specific on motorcycles in terms of what I ride. I've never ridden anything but Harleys. No, so and so look, I'll, I'll give you an idea. Yeah, I've ridden for over twenty years. I've owned over thirty bikes. I've had out of thirty bikes, I've had three different ones, or three that are not Harley. Yeah, my first bike that I owned a Honda Shadow, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, one of my best friends, Maloa, uh, her dad had it in the in Carmel, Carmel or San Francisco, one of those two places, and they let me have it for like five hundred bucks. And it was rusty as fuck, and I WD four. I, I I don't even. I was a death machine. I had that. Then I got you know a Harley. I got a Sportster twelve hundred classic. Then I got the Street Glide. Then I got a Road Glide. Then I started working for Harley. Then I got a bunch of bikes. Then later on, I picked up a BMW on trade, which I fucking hated. The F eight hundred or eight fifty, hated it. Underpowered, looked cool. Um, and then once I got rid of that, how many CCs was it? That eight hundred. Oh, eight oh, eight hundred, but oh, that's super underpowered. Even from an 800 cc, even from an 800 was BMW, it too heavy. Was it too heavy? Is that was that the problem? No, it wasn't. I, I, if I was to guess, it's about 450 or something like that. The okay. weight was 450, so 450, 480. So it wasn't a heavy bike. It it looked fucking super cool. It looked like something Robocop would fucking ride, you know. But um, but it was underpowered. Had no interest. Uh, and then again, Harley, 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 Harley. And then recently, with these knuckleheads, we went to fucking uh, Joshua Tree. And rented some bikes from Eagle Riders. And it's funny because I rented, I was at Eagle Riders for three months doing some consulting while I was at Pepperdine. I remember, yeah, I remember you said that. And I took out one of the new BMWs they had. And when I took it down to PCH to Neptune's Net, I didn't like it. And then for whatever reason, the you touring, know, the touring model, the, the one that I own now, the, oh. the, the, the 1250 okay. GSA. And then for whatever reason, when these knuckleheads all wanted to go to a Joshua tree, we, we went, we rented fucking, you know, 1250 GSAs. It, it was, we went off-roading, we went on the dirt, we went everywhere. I remember I saw that. And it was fucking, it was a great experience. And that's what made me want to get, you know, one of these bikes. And now my point is I was all Harley and still am. When I ride my fucking Harley, I love my fucking Harley. Like, have you seen how good my Harley looks right now? Yes. Like well, what... I haven't seen any. Oh, bro, my, my Harley right now looks fucking mean as fuck. Picture of it? Yeah, the Lindell brakes just fucking hooked it up. I put the gold fucking rotors. Here, I got I to show yeah, you yeah, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, I think I could even show it up here on the new TV. Nice. Here's just to give you an idea. Screen mirroring. This is how mean oh, yeah. this fucking bike looks. Uh, there you go. It looks Look amazing. At that. Yeah, it looks amazing. Look at that. The HPI fucking uh, pipe, the gold rotors. I mean, it looks fucking gold out. The gold rotors are... Lindell. Lindell brakes is top-notch. They're expensive as fuck. They do the... Uh, but they're, they're good expensive. American-made. Mm. Um, they're an amazing fucking brand. And are those rolling sand bars? 
No, oh. that's a KST. Okay. KST Customs. They fucking did the bars. That's a Roland Sands air cleaner, horsepower ink pipe. And then that's, uh, we got the Memphis Shades. I got to give a shout out to Memphis Shades because they're a badass motherfucking company. They just sent me a new shield, a clear one that I got to put on. I haven't done it yet. Saddleman seat. Uh, what else have we done to it? Uh, I think that's pretty Bags? much Bags are, Bags are the standard are streak line. Yeah. Really? Yeah, those are the Maybe it's because line. of the... Uh, no, oh, it's because of the uh, well, this car. Is a, this is a special. So the special has the extended bags. Okay. So, but yeah, the fucking... I mean, this is badass. But if I'm to tell you between the BMW and, and, and this, which one's a better performing machine? Sure, sure. The BMW. It depends, yeah. bro. This is, this is a fucking classic hot rod. This is an American hot rod. Nothing will ever compare to an American hot I rod. I agree with you. But the BMW, the, the comfort, I mean, the suspension, the traction control, the braking power, the link braking, like the... Bro, the clutch is only for first gear. <laughs> you put in the first gear, done. Once you're done, you could just shift with no fucking clutch. Wow. You know, and, and you get used to it and it starts anyways, it, it gets, it gets fucking amazing. Everybody's going to kill me on this podcast. Cause I always talk about the fucking, the comparison. But when I ride this fucking thing, I, I also lose my mind when I ride the, you, you know, what's funny. I sold the bike to a guy. I used to be the general manager at Van Nuys, Harley Davidson. And then at Monterey County, Harley Davidson, I sold the bike to a guy, and you know what HD stands for, right? Yeah, for sure. $100. No, $100. No, no, $100. $100. Exactly. Everybody knows. Hey, man, I know what HD stands for. It stands for hundreds of dollars, right? There is this one guy I sold the bike to. This fucking guy comes up to me a week later. It was a week later. He did a, He bought his before. He, he was, I haven't seen anybody so excited to own a Harley. This guy buys his bike, comes back a week later, and he looks at me. He's buying some shit. He goes, hey, Rob. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He goes, I know what HD stands for. And I'm like, yeah, bro, hundreds of dollars. He's like, no, man, hard dick. And I'm all, what? He goes, every time I get on my fucking bike, I get a hard dick, man. Oh <laughs> like, I ain't God. riding next to you, man. But I was excited about Harley's. Damn. Yeah, but now I, I jump on this, and it's funny. Every time I jump on, I'm like, man, this is fucking hard uh, dick. Uh, it's like. That doesn't just... make sense. I'm going to get killed for that comment right <laughs> <laughs> You didn't say the guy's name, so yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's just something about Harley's um, that just speak to me. To me, performance bikes, you're only a limited amount of art. You know, right. you're much more practicality. This is all about fitting things in, making it aerodynamic. You know, Harley is an art form. I mean, listen, I support their new lines from a ideological stance of like, listen, whatever you need, guys need to do to bring in the the, the bacon. To keep producing the 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 classic stuff, totally support it, one hundred percent. But out but outside of that, I would never get them. I would I would just take a ride on, on like one. the Pan America or the Live yeah, Wire. Yeah, and the sport. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's the is the Live Wire the one like thirty eight thousand dollars for an electric? Like, yeah, is that thirty three thousand plus 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 plus? Yeah, so the thirty eight out the door probably. Uh, I'm sure that rides for, for hundred miles. It only goes hundred miles. I think probably the feel of that bike is probably amazing. Yeah. I saw another one too. It's called uh, Sanders or Saunders or something like that. And they're creating an electric bike for like five grand. Really? So, yeah. It's all fucking electric and you take out the battery pack. Take it up 400 CC. <laughs> no, they, they say, well, not, well, not CC, but yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's not CC. Yeah. 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 But I'm saying, yeah, but I'm saying the, yeah, but it's five grand Saunders. 
Saunders, they, they do electric bikes. And, and right now you could put a thousand down, five grand. I think it's out the door, five grand, which is insane. Um, and then you can get it registered and do all that fun shit. But, um, I don't know, bro. It's such a good deal. I, I think I'm going to get it. And then they did it all chrome. They did it all like a uh, steel, like the cyber truck. Okay. So it has yeah, that yeah, yeah. fucking look. I don't know, man. I'm between that or a super 73. I reached out to Mike. Have you seen the super 73s? Mm-mm, no. All the electric bicycles. They're, they're no. bicycles. No. They're, okay. Wait, wait, wait. This is, not, this is not new. No, it's been around for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I know around. what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's basically an electric motorcycle, but they put moped. Pe- yeah, <laughs> moped. Oh, well, but they put the pedals to make it a bike. Okay, but it's a fucking bike that goes. Is like that how you 30, start the- Forty miles an hour. Is like, that how you start the bike? Is by pedaling? No. Okay, so it's not no. the moped kind of. No, it's yeah. not moped. Okay. No, this is like full throttle. But the the existence of the pedals is so you can get on sidewalks and you can go on little trails and you don't have to have a license and you don't have to have a registration. You don't have to have insurance. You don't have to have anything else. But if you take those pedals off and just put pegs, it's an electric bike, you know? (laughs) So I I actually, I desperately want one, especially in this neighborhood because you just want to ride up to like little places. Right. But that thing, I'm kind of between a Super 73 uh, which I think is the fucking greatest thing, especially if you live like in a nice community that you could just access shit, or this 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 other bike that I'm telling you, Sa- uh, Sa- Saunders. I think I think it's it's Sanders, but I think it's with an O. Saunders. Saunders. Or maybe it is Sanders. I don't know, but it's a it's a when badass company. But I'm between both, and they're in that price range. But um, anyways, that has nothing to do with nothing. Harley, America. America, man. America. I mean, Indians are beautiful, man. I do love, I mean, I've never ridden one, but I definitely, you know. They're growing on me. You know, I can't speak for the quality of the bike, um, the performance of it, but I just, if I had to go, if someone was like, don't go on a, you know, you can't pick a Harley, it would be right with an Indian, for, for sure. Indians are nice. Indians expensive. Are, they're very, yeah. Very expensive. And I heard that, you know, there's a lot of issues uh, even just co- cosmetically, where like the paint ends up fading, and like, there was there was one uh, turquoise, you know, bag or you know something like that. But yeah, that's unfortunate. They've been they've been they, they've they've had struggled. difficult times. Oh, they've struggled. Gosh. They've been sold and bought. They've yeah. been out of business. I'm happy they're back. Did you see the um, the racetrack race for the Harleys versus the Indians? What is this, 1920? <laughs> Bro, you haven't seen that? No. Oh, you're really living in a fucking hole. Did they have the whole uh, cyclo or whatever they called it? You know Monterey You know Monterey County, right? Um, Monterey, California? I've heard of Monterey, California. You, Laguna Seca? Nope. Laguna Seca is one of like the top racetracks in the world. They okay. had Indian versus Harley Davidson baggers. They had baggers on a racetrack fucking tearing it up. A straight you, or a circular track? No, no, circular, like fucking, like the old school, old, no, like, but not not circular. Oh, no, 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 okay. No, no, no. Like I'm talking about a rate, like, yeah, I got this you. is where Formula One races. Okay, okay, got gotcha, you. Know, gotcha. Ferrari races, motorcycle races, like a crazy track, and it was Indian versus Harley, full fucking, but on baggers, like people were losing their shit. It was such a hit that all of a sudden they just created a new bagger league racing. Uh, bagger racing league. We're going back to the twenties here. We're going back. Well, no, in the twenties they didn't have real baggers. No, but I mean like motorcycle racing. 
Because, yeah. no, it was Indian versus Harley. Yeah. Yeah, you know? you're right. It yeah. was Indian there's, versus Harley. I mean, there was a couple But I think that companies. was a race to, like, compete, you know, for for success. And I think Harley, kind of back to what you're saying, the reason it became so famous and so respected, even though it's not a top performer like everybody else, it's because it supported, the you know, it helped in the World War One. Right. It helped in World War Two. It, it it was it was a vehicle that really changed many things. You know? Yeah, I mean, I love the Harley history a yeah. lot. Uh, did you watch that special on? Was it? I don't know if it was Netflix or. I think it's on it's Amazon. Like, uh, really, it's it's on Amazon. I think so. Oh, because I I, didn't I had to I, buy it, so I don't th- anyway. But it was. I don't know if you've seen it. I highly suggest if anyone hasn't seen what's it. What's the name of it? I forget the name. Just I'm sure if you type in Harley, the story of Harley, yeah, something like that. I yeah, think, it was I like eight was hours long or something like that. It's a yeah. mini series, amazing. You know, it's yeah. a, you know, it's another good series. Uh, the man, the men who made America. Hmm. Have you seen that? Was that Andrew Carnegie and oh, the, bro, yeah. it's all the Rockefellers. For it's it's all of them. Yeah. It's all. I mean, they made the world, but of course, that you know, it's called the made america but that's another fucking strong documentary of history but yeah going back to harley i love fucking harley's I, history it, i think that i'm interested in that type of history because in a way it's it kind of goes in line with magic i mean most people don't see it like this but big time but engineer magic is engineering it's about being innovative and to be innovative you have to do engineering and also you have to you know you know, you would want to focus on psychology. Yeah. So when you see something that's innovative, and that's why, you know, I, I like Elon Musk in terms of, you know, what he represents from his mind. Oh, um, that's magic, Sean. It's shooting people out to the fucking yeah. stars. But even like someone like Hitchcock, right? I yeah. love Chaplin. I like people who have innovated, who have made, like, but most people don't know, Warhol, most people don't know the history of these people and why they are popular. They've done so much for their industry. They've, Different thought processes. And they've changed different, the world. Oh, they have, Steve Jobs is another one. Yeah. You know? I, I still can't get over when I watch that video. Uh, ha- have you seen that video recently of Steve Jobs when he's introducing the first iPhone? No, I don't think oh, so. Oh, man, it's yeah. so good. It's so good. He's he so excited, he comes too. Out, he's, he's so like, excited. So we grabbed a, 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 a music player. <laughs> I think I did see this. And a one. phone. <laughs> I think and a camera, and we put it together, and everybody's like, oh, oh my God, losing their shit, you know? I mean, it's, it's it's crazy, because that already existed. You know, there was the trios, and there was the, you know, Blackberries. And the Motorola Razor. Razors. Like, that already existed. The but, little tiny but, thing that hit all the... There was yeah, little, but it, 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 it changed the world. No, I mean, literally. I mean, cyber wouldn't have been released. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, 100%. But um, no, it's, um, you know. It, oh, you know how many businesses have exist because of that? Well, Shit, I, I don't even think Amazon would exist the way it exists today if it wasn't for, you know, the iPhone or the smartphone or, or Uber, you know, if you oh, have yeah. a smart. You can, you can fucking order an Uber with a pager. <laughs> I know, right? It's, you know, the phone really changed everything up. Yeah, and the, the, I think the irony of that is the phone itself did. And yeah. by this new concept of a phone, completely changed culture. I mean, social media wouldn't exist. Yeah. You know? Or definitely wouldn't exist the way it is now. I mean, you know, it was a little bit before with the MySpace days, but um, it completely my, changed my, the culture. My, uh, MySpace? Yeah. You said MySpace? Well, Facebook. I'm saying before the yeah. smartphone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. MySpace. MySpace or uh, 
What was the other one? Pixel or something like that? Friendster. There's Friendster too. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we did an hour and 50 minutes, an hour oh. and 47 minutes. Wow. Uh, where can we find you? What's your name? Where do you, what are your links? Contact yeah. information, and where can we get your uh, magic trick uh, yeah. thing? Uh, worm. The uh, Instagram is Worm TV. Where does Worm come from, real quick, too? Oh, where, where, what's the story on that? I'm an ex hacker, hence the trick. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm really? serious. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Yeah. You know, we're recording this, right? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. Um, that's where the name came from, but it's been that way since 1996, I want to say. Wow. Yeah. Um, you can find my newest release on theory11.com. I'm having another release in the next two months on nicholaspresents.com. And um, yeah, hit me up. Social media? Just Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook, but I don't let anybody in. But yeah. Instagram is the. B- oh, I do want to put a plug in. Uh, I run an account. I started an account with a friend called Global Magicians. So if you like magic, it's the biggest magic uh, account on Instagram. And we post every day uh, a trick uh, from all over the world. And we curate and find the best stuff, the newest stuff that's out there. So if someone wants to see some magic, always Global Magicians on Instagram. That's fucking awesome. Thank you so much, brother. Thanks, Robert.